This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with not Nancy Lotter-Janderson, who's not in studio with us today. Instead, it's Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives and co-author of Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Together, we'll talk about Time.com's 50 Personal Finance Habits That Everyone Should Follow. Like number 11, keeping the money in your wallet to a minimum. Number 28, never hoping for an inheritance to solve your money problems. Oh. Yep, Ryder and I had that one way up there on our list. And number 49, avoiding interest payments whenever possible. So we're going to talk about that. If you have any uh, successful financial habits that you'd like to share with us, give us a call. Or if you have a personal finance question, the phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. If you're not near a phone but would like to participate in the show, you can email money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. I am. I'm awake right now, so that's good. <laughs> so, uh, any details that you would be willing to share on your recent uh, global travel? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I was. I don't. I, I'm sorry, Kevin. I wasn't listening to the show while oh, I was out. It must uh, be so, tough I'm not. To, uh, yeah, it was. It was really tough for me. Um, so, I. I was in a. Co- I went to a conference in Hong Kong. I'm a CFA charter holder, which is the kind of gold standard of professionalism and ethics in the finance industry, and since I'm on the Mississippi uh, Society board, they pay for board members to go to this uh, conference. It's, you know, we do board training, uh, caught up a lot about, you know, the if finance is a fast changing industry and, and how to keep our members um, on, on pace with all that. So since somebody else was paying for the flight, I took a little me time as well. And um, I spent a lot of time in Malaysia uh, where I had a couple of friends. Um, so that's what I've been up to. And I was just saying beforehand, you know, people talk about, you know, the importance of traveling and how you see different things and learn about different cultures. And I love traveling and I love seeing different things and eating new foods and learning about different cultures. But I also love um, how exactly the same people are everywhere in the world. <laughs> and I was just telling, uh, like I was just talking about, I, I, I was visited this small town in Malaysia sat down at this restaurant that you know no, nobody spoke a word of english and i mean i've had a lot of trouble like figuring out how to order a drink for instance and um got a lot of people laughing at me when i did that and and i sat down and i realized what i had ordered which i didn't really know what i had ordered when i did it um i looked down and it was a plate of uh greens 
rice, and fried chicken. <laughs> and the drink I had got was sweet tea. There you go. And I mean, <laughs> wherever you go, everything's the same. That's and, and and I think you're right. And as I mentioned, you know, the idea of a taco or a, a, a gyro or some sort of uh, meat rolled up in, in a bread yeah. item. So yeah, it's it's you know, and I think that's kind of fun uh, to see mm-hmm. that uh, the different takes on on what is comfort food. Exactly. And so it was an interesting experience. Remind us geographically where exactly is Malaysia? Okay, so Malaysia is uh, Southeast Asia, and it is. Let's see. So south of China, and one kind of historically important thing about Malaysia, kind of why you know why it rose to prominence, is it is in between. If you are if you are on a trade route in between India and China, two ancient cultures, ancient civilizations have been trading. You know, well, they're not on great terms right now, but obviously used to be. Um, you know, from the Middle East uh, to um, India, then going to China, Malaysia is right there in between them. Um, and then at the tip of Malaysia is Singapore. That's why Singapore is still a very, very important transshipment port, one of the largest ports in the world because of that reason. Um, so you have below it uh, Indonesia, kind of spice islands. So things coming up from there, things coming uh, from one side to China and the other side to India. So it was kind of the nexus of all of that. So that's where it gets. A very, very big melting pot of cultures there. Um, the, the bus ride from the airport into Kuala Lumpur, their sign is, you know, a it says something like a very diverse and welcoming city or something like that. And I was like, OK, well, we'll see. And it it is. I mean, Indian cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, uh, Chinese cultures, Thai, uh, Indonesia, all of that um, kind of kind of mixes in there and makes it very, very interesting. Yeah, well, sounds like that was a great trip. Glad to have you back here in studio. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, Time.com's 50 Personal Finance Habits That Everyone Should Follow. Uh, if you have a personal finance habit that you're proud of and you'd like to share with us, you can give us a call. Also, if you have a question, a personal finance question that needs answering, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, I think some of these on the list will be a little bit more practical. Some of the others, uh, Ryder and I were joking about the one that we <laughs> shared at the top of the show, number 20, never hoping for an inheritance to solve your money problems. Fortunately, I don't think I ever even thought of that as a solution, so I can I can sh- uh, sh- cross that one off the list. It, it makes a great uh, movie plot, though, sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're a rich uncle that you never knew about. Uh, <laughs> dies and passes the money on. There's some there's some good ones out there. All right. Now, I do want to take also issue with number 11, which was keeping the money in your wallet to a minimum. Why do you think that is offered as advice? I mean, I guess just so you don't have a bunch of money available to spend. But I mean, obviously, they're talking about cash here. And so some sometimes people do give as a tip spend everything in cash um, just because with cash you know you see it leaving you're counting it out and then you see how much you have left whereas with a credit or debit card you can just spend until your bank tells you to stop um, 
But well, this is producer Liz here, and I would go with uh, just the other day, I had run in and bought 50 pounds of dog food at uh, the one of the stores, and then there's a Dollar Tree right next to it. So I was running in there to buy a couple of dollar items, but I didn't have any cash. So instead of buying $3.21 putting it on my credit card, I postponed my uh, purchase for you know another time or did I truly really need it so I think that's where they're going for with the cash yeah and, and that's a good point you know, like I was saying one bit of advice which may be on this list is you know spend in cash so that you see it and you know you didn't have the cash so you did not spend it and that's very good for uh, discipline but um, I guess I guess that's it so you'll just run out of money and stick to your budget <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been a better framed if, if they talked about because number five on the list is buying anything on the impulse and i believe that fits oh, that's, along with that's maybe absolutely what absolutely what you yeah. said there so yeah so um they say obviously the advice here is to um make a shopping list and stick to it uh, that would work to me for the grocery store but i don't think i've ever made a shopping list when going to the outlet mall or you know any kind of mm-hmm. retail shopping um so well you know one thing you know, we always talk about more and more people are buying things online still you know only roughly 10 or 11 percent of america's spending is online but that's growing, and it's really easy to impulse buy online, especially if, um, say, you've got your credit card information saved at a website or your credit card information saved with your browser. It's really easy to do. And so what I do, because we find a lot of great things on the Internet that we can't find in a, in a local shop. And what I always do, I mean, I will just have that tab open on my computer for about a week before I commit to buying anything. I, I'm very careful, you know, I always kind of sleep on it and make sure that's something I need. So that's that's a way to avoid impulse buying. You know, I search for what I need. Uh, and then even when I find it, I kind of kind of sit on it for a minute. And then also I would think there along those lines, too, is to because uh, uh, you're right, it's very convenient to have that information saved. So perhaps if you didn't. And then you had to go get your credit or debit card every time and plug in the mm-hmm. numbers. That gives you at least a little bit of time to think, because I think that's the other thing to, to defeat impulse shopping is to just take that one minute before right. you buy, before you click and say, is this something I really need or is this something that I want? And again, I, I would say that the, you don't get rid of all the wants, but put the wants in the category of when you can afford them right. as opposed to I need this now kind of thing. Yeah. And building any sort of friction into that transaction, the easier it is to make a transaction, the more likely you are to do it. If you just make things a little bit harder for if you make it a little harder for yourself to spend your money, then you're going to spend a little less money. Um, one other one here on the list is paying attention to mortgage mortgage interest rates even after you buy a home. People who fail to do this may miss out on refinance opportunities that could save them tens of thousands of dollars over the life of their loan. So any advice along those lines about, I mean, obviously refinancing is not something you're going to do several times. So right. you, you really need to do some research and kind of strike when the iron is hot kind of thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you see it a lot less now because interest rates have been very low for a very long time and they've finally been going up over the past year or so. So you see less uh, 
it doesn't make as much sense for a lot of people to refinance right now. But over the past several years, it's made a lot of sense for, for people to refinance. You know, if you know, spoken with clients who will come, they'll have like a six or seven percent interest rate, and I'm just like, when were they ever that? Like that's that was so long ago. Um, and and if they refinance to a you know something like a three or four percent interest rate, you know, with say a hundred thousand dollar balance, you're talking about three thousand dollars a year, and you know they might have twenty years left on that or fifteen. Or ten or something, so uh, that's definitely a source of some pretty significant savings. Um, and not only that, you can, if the interest rate is right and the terms are right, you can you can refinance. Not only save money overall, but lower your monthly payment or just make your monthly payment better for you, um, and and change the term. Maybe maybe make a shorter uh, payment time frame so that you get it paid off faster. Um, all, all sorts of benefits to so just kind of keeping an eye on that. But that's that's not something you need to do all the time. Uh, absolutely. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we've got a call coming up on the line, and we've got some open phone lines for your questions or comments. If you have a personal finance question this morning, or if you'd like to share one of your successful financial habits, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today, we're using Time.com's 50 Personal Finance Habits uh, as a list to start some discussions. So we're talking about some things uh, that uh, Time.com suggests everyone should follow. Uh, Also, if you have a successful financial habit, we're looking for your input this morning, as well as any financial questions that you have. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Scott's joined us on the line from Jackson. Good morning, Scott. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, I just want to share something I did. Um, my daughters are both now 20 and 22, but when they were about age 14, I'd add them as an authorized user to my credit cards, like Discover, mm-hmm. Citibank, whichever cards I am. Well, on the bank, of course, I send out a card. I cut it up, of course. <laughs> but what happens is my great payment history also reports from their credit bureau. So they are stopped. They haven't built their credit history. I know my daughter, my youngest daughter, on her 18th birthday, she went online and applied at Capital One to give a $5,000 credit line. No, because my, so if you know, as a parent, if we're looking to help our children establish credit, you know, um, that's when we can help them add them to our trade lines. Of course, she hasn't charged the card up. You know, she's using it and developing additional credit, you know, so one day she can buy a house. 
Yeah, something I did. So that's something a parent can do to help their child establish credit. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Scott, that's a that's a wonderful idea, um, you know, in two ways. One, you're helping your young children learn about credit and, and understanding the importance and sort of maybe the dangers of, but also sort of giving a, a foot forward in the in the financial world as they start out. That that sounds like a really great idea. Uh, that's absolutely right. That's the, um, that's a popular thing to do. It's getting a little harder to do that. I've always heard stories of people who, you know, maybe their parents signed them up for a credit card when they were three or something. That's a little exciting. Excessive. Yeah, they don't need to be that young. Um, but he was absolutely right. A couple of years of good payment history, I mean, they should have a great credit score. Now, I would caution. Uh, anyone thinking about doing that one make sure that uh, your child knows uh, they know what you're doing and they're comfortable with it because you know, this is this, you're technically like signing contracts on their behalf you, you need to make sure you're okay with that um, and also that they are uh, kind of educated about the process this is this is not just a way to build their credit and then gift them a credit score and let them run wild this is a way to teach them about what credit is, how to build it and maintain it. Um, it sounds like you probably were doing it right, uh, and but you would hate to turn over an excellent credit score to an 18-year-old who then goes off to college and then wrecks it in the first few uh, few months and, and ends up with huge bills that if it's still on your authorized card, you are still responsible for. Uh, because with an authorized user situation, both parties are fully responsible for the bill, um, so make, make just make sure you use it also as a as a as an educational tool. Right. So good thing get get the great thing to get them started, but also uh, along the way teach them the responsibilities mm-hmm. of of credit uh, as well. So uh, we've got another Scott on the line. This one in Gulfport. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. How's it going? Uh, yeah, my input is just really stop being lazy. You know, most people are sleeping in, watching TV, and not using the resources that are just available to them at their fingertips, whether it be Craigslist Free, where you find an abundant amount of, you know, free plants and building materials, or, you know, just your your local food services that can supply you with free food, medical help. I mean, there's just a, a world of resources out there, and most people are still rubbing their eyes at, you know, 9.30 in the morning and not getting up and using them and just working. Stop being lazy. That's just my advice. Yeah, that's a great... There's a ton of free resources out there, including this MPB show that you're listening to right now. The best free resource you can have. Um, there's a lot of free resources. One troublesome thing is... It can be so hard to find it. I, and, and we have a lot, you know, a lot of people who come in on this show. Um, I remember maybe was it when we had the Veterans Affairs folks come in and, and somebody called and he was just like, oh, there's so many services and this, that and the other and this, that. And, you know, how do you keep up with all this? Why is there not just some single place? And that's part of the problem. You know, the Veterans Affairs, you know, they offered several free services, but then there's some well, very well, similar. There, there's, Go there's ahead. Oh, sorry. And there's people that make it happen. You know, uh, like, for instance, you own a business. Why not? It's $200 to open yourself a business and make tax deductions on whatever large product project that you have, you know. And before it becomes classified as a hobby, you can you have several years to claim, you know, losses. 
You know, whether, like for me, I'm doing a gardening business and whatnot, really, I don't have the most experience, but it's also helping me learn, and at the same time, eventually I'll be able to help my community. I mean, there's there's just, there's there's stuff everywhere. All you got to do is want it and take it. You can get whatever you want if you put enough energy towards it. People aren't willing to put energy towards anything. And if you think you don't have energy, you know, if you're not going to get any more energy if you don't use the energy that you already have. That's that's just my thing. I'm surrounded by people that are lazy and that complain about no no revenue and no. no <laughs> Sounds like you need to hang out with it. a new crowd, man. You're a little <laughs> you're a little too hard charging for them. All right, uh, Scott. Thanks for the call. Good idea, though. You know, a, a self starter, a go getter, is uh, someone who can kind of make their own. Uh, um, Opportunities, I guess, is kind of what Scott was saying. We appreciate the call. We've got some open phone lines now. If you'd like to comment on uh, successful financial habits, maybe that you have that you'd like to share with us, or what you think a successful financial habit would be, or if you have a personal finance question, you can give us a call because the phone lines are open at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. <clears throat> it's money at mpbonline.org. Another one from time.com's list is to do your research before purchasing extended warranties. Absolutely. Ryder, any thoughts on extended warranties in general? Uh, yeah, so for the most, whenever you buy, especially with electronics or large purchases, household appliances, you're going to be offered an extended warranty. And usually the extended warranty you are offered at the gate is going to be a terrible idea. Um, I have in some instances uh, per, uh, gotten extended warranties, but um, those are often through, say, like a third party that offered just an exceptionally good deal. I mean, I think once I pay like $6 for a three-year warranty on a computer that might have cost like 2000 bucks. that you know what, even if I was very unlikely to use that, super worth it. Um, also be cautious because... Uh, Purchase. If you make a purchase on your credit card, you typically have an extended warranty. Uh, look at what your credit card offers. They will often either have a one-year warranty on anything you buy. I mean, it could be a, a broom, a, a T-shirt that doesn't function correctly. They will refund it for you. And I've actually uh, made use of that before. Uh, sometimes it'll be one year. Sometimes it'll be one year beyond whatever is, is offered. So look and see what protection you already have. Uh, look and see if there are third third parties that are offering uh, much better deals. But generally speaking, avoiding um, uh, extended warranties is a very good idea. You, you always hear a story, you know, especially something with iPhones or something. Oh, yeah, you know, I got the you know extended warranty and boy, you know, they really took care of it when my screen cracked. It's like, well, think of all of the people who bought that extended warranty and didn't tell you that they didn't use it. Like nobody's going around like, oh, yeah, I bought that extended warranty and boy, I haven't used it. Like that's not <laughs> that's not a story people tell you, but like it happens. Um, and so kind of think of that value. You know, if, if you know, extended warranty is a hundred dollars and it's going to get you $300 worth of benefits, if you're not 33% chance likely of using it, it's not really worth it. Yeah. Also, you know, I, I have a refrigerator that I've owned since I moved into my house in the mid nineties and it's not the greatest, newest thing no, yeah. you know, no water, whatever, no lights, no fancy, it doesn't talk to me and all that sort of thing, <laughs> but it works. And yeah. so, you know, it was similar when I bought, um, replaced, I think a washer or a dryer. Again, they offered it to me and I was like, well, the last one I had mm -hmm. lasted 20 years. So no, I don't mm -hmm. think I need that. 
And and that's a good point about, you know, say like a new refrigerator that does like talk and text you a grocery list every two days. Um, things like that, the more technical and the more things that can go wrong with a device, the more important it is to protect that, of course, um, because the more likely something is to go wrong. So that's another thing to look at, say, if you're buying a new refrigerator, like remember all of those smart features uh, can also go bad quicker. It will go bad quicker. Um, so that's just something to think about when you're making that sort of purchase. And I would say, too, if you do purchase an extended warranty, I would sh- make sure you have a special plot in your filing cabinet for that, because obviously if you purchase mm-hmm. it and the product goes bad, it's going to probably be maybe a year or two down the road. you got to remember that right. you did that and then where to find it. Because I know I did one thing with I've got the the cover for my uh, screen um, on my phone and and the last time it cracked I bought a new one and someone said oh this was a lifetime warranty and so I when I bought the new one <laughs> I swear I made a effort to save the receipt somewhere yeah, and then when it cracked again I can't find where I put the yeah. receipt so yeah absolutely important to, to save that sort of documentation all right uh, you know the thing uh, on uh, the next one on the list it says ignore credit card convenience checks that come in the mail they usually come with high fees that make them extremely expensive I think I've always thrown these away although I really probably should be either shredding them or tearing them up into little pieces. But what I don't understand is, is this them trying to get you to do an impulse buy? Because what what would you buy with these convenience checks that you wouldn't actually use the actual credit card for? So uh, often they say, and I have one credit card that sends me these like every two months and everything else is paperless and I don't want them, but I can't stop them from sending me these. Um, So if you're listening, Chase, stop it. (laughs) Um, So they tend typically use those i think one big pitch is for um refinancing another credit card so it's it's a way for because they want you to use those checks for large purchases because what they're trying to do is get you to bring more business to them um sometimes they will or often those will have kind of the same uh terms as your cash advances which is typically pretty bad they'll have a, a high initial fee and a higher interest and less interest forgiveness than a normal purchase. Normal purchases with a credit card are great. You know, typically uh, no fees on the purchase, uh, no interest charges for, you know, you have a full billing cycle to before interest is even starts to accrue. Um, or before you have to pay it, it will accrue if you don't pay it. Uh, but with those checks, they will typically have some fees, Interest starts accruing immediately, regardless of when you pay it. Um, but they're typically doing that so that you'll pay off another bill and, and effectively bring that business uh, to them. Um, and I wonder how many people actually ever use those things, because like I say, they always end up in, in, yeah, in the I, trash when I I shred them every time, yeah. yeah. Okay, time for another break. When we get back, we are talking today about uh, Time.com's 50 Personal Finance Habits That Everyone Should Follow. If you have a suggestion, something you think should be on the list, you can give us a call. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back with more after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking today about a list that Time.com generated, 50 personal finance habits that everyone should follow. Uh, we agree with some of them. We have a little issue with some of the others, uh, but that's <laughs> one of the fun things about a list. If you have something that you think should be on the list, you can give us a call, or if you're looking for an answer to your personal finance question, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show, money at mpbonline.com. Org. So one, I kind of skipped ahead because I saw one that caught my eye. Number 43 on the list is negotiating whenever the opportunity presents itself. And I must say that I am very bad at this. I know a friend of mine, uh, he got uh, mm-hmm. when uh, AT&T and one of the local uh, stations had a dispute and uh, the, the channel was off AT&T U-verse for, I want to say, three or four months. He called up and he managed to get like three months free HBO and this sort of thing and a credit on his bill, that kind of thing. Uh, he calls Sirius all the time when it's time to renew and basically says, I'm not going to renew. And of course, apparently mm-hmm. they fall over themselves. Oh, here, here's a discount or whatever. And I guess I don't, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's like, I can't, I can never, you know, I'm, I'm not a good negotiator at that point, yeah. but obviously mm-hmm. it works. Uh, yes. And I, I have a friend I like that. And she says, Oh, everything's a negotiation. <laughs> and, um, a lot of places that you know the, culturally it's not it's for Americans you know we don't really have a culture of negotiation and also a lot of stores a lot of places will try to make it just so like here is the price like they try to cut out opportunity for negotiation but a couple of places everyone is going to negotiate when they well most people, absolutely everyone should negotiate when they make a major purchase like a house or something. You know, you see that list price, but like that house has been sitting there like no, but, you know, always make a lower offer. That's a negotiation we're all comfortable with. Um, buying a car, people often do, especially if you have a trade in that can be a little negotiating bargaining chip for you. Um, so those are instances, large purchases or instances where you should always negotiate because even a small difference, you know, if you get 1% off of a $20,000 car, like you save 200 bucks, like pat yourself on the back. That's a good day's work. Um, things that don't, you know, you're not going to negotiate when you're buying like some, a pack of gum at the store. <laughs> now you might negotiate if, if you see the butcher cutting up some, uh, you know, with a, with a fresh cut of meat and you're like, Hey, you know, I want this exactly this, like, you know, see if they'll cut you a deal or put a different sticker on it. That's a place where someone does have some power. And I've seen that happen in a grocery store before. Um, but other instances, you know, it, it's hard for us to do on, on, on the case of bills and subscription services. I've definitely, heard of that and, and, and a good opportunity to do that is we often get you know, kind of teaser rates, you know, sign up to this phone plan in your first six months or $10 off. Okay. So once you hit that six months, you know, kind of call and be like, you know what, you know, I've, however you want to phrase it, you know, I've enjoyed the service, but honestly, this, this rise in costs, I don't know that I can handle that. Um, I've done that with a, with a subscription before and, 
you know, they they just kind of raise their rates because you know subscription type things they raise their rates every now and then. I just call them. I was, I was like, you know what? That I, that's a pretty serious raise. I don't know what I could do. Um, and, and you'll always see that they're offering. Um, Deals for new new members, new people signing on, or maybe deals for uh, people of a certain age, you know, maybe a student deal or something. Be like, hey, you know, I saw that you offer 50% off for students. Like, I know I'm not a student, but you can clearly afford to offer 50% off. So use those sort of things. And and for recurring costs, for subscriptions, for um, you know, utility bills, cell phone bills, not utilities, you can't really get around that, uh, but cell phones and TV uh, bills, those are, you know, and those companies they make a ton of money off of you. So AT&T is actually fairly well known for um, being easy to negotiate with. Basically, the longer you keep them on the phone, then the more likely you are. You, know, like, you could just talk about the weather and they'll be like, look, <laughs> I'm tired of talking to you. Here's 10 bucks. Like, it's, well, that's, that's one where I actually have done that. And, and it's not necessarily negotiating, but I will call periodically and just say, hey, are there any promotional offers that you yeah. have available? And a lot of times you get, yeah. you know, again, it's something like a, a premium tier movie channels or whatever for yeah. a certain amount of time. Uh, so um, there are a number of them that are sort of related. So, uh, Ryder, I think we were going to pick up with uh, saving part of your income for retirement. The mm-hmm. suggestion is at least 10% from every paycheck. Absolutely. Um, and, and so we talk about this a lot. You know, Nancy and I, we are we are big fans of just get start saving. Saving is a habit that you need to get into. Uh, so especially if you're changing jobs, uh, starting your first job, just go ahead and have 10% without um, from your your paycheck. And and if they can do that automatically for you, that's great because you will never see that money. You will never worry about it. Um, Have it put in your 401k. If you don't have a 401k, set up an automatic draft going into maybe a a separate savings account or or an investment account. Of course, you always have to have a disclaimer, you know, make sure you have some emergency savings, make sure you're important other, you have a couple other important financial things taken care of. But in general, the way you're going to reach your financial goals, be it retirement, be it buying a house be some sort of financial independence these things cost you money you have to save for them and you just have to start so that uh, saving 10% for retirement that's actually pretty good um, you, we usually advise people start there uh, research kind of shows that over a general working career, saving uh, 15 to 20% of your income is what's going to be able to replace all of your income when you retire. Uh, of course, it depends, you know, people have some social security, they'll have money from other places, so that you know, they're not 100% responsible for that. Um, but also, number 21 it references your 401k contribution. So, and it says raise your 401k contribution every time you get a raise. Um, and and I, I like the term. I, I did not make this one up. So I saw it somewhere is save more later or, or save more tomorrow. And you start at some level of saving. And then every time you get a raise, save half of your raise. Um, so you still do get some of that raise because, look, you know, we work to mm-hmm. get money to spend it. So, like, you know, treat yourself. Um, but also take the opportunity to save a little bit more. So every time you get a raise or even just every year, um, Raise that, raise your contribution a little bit, and soon you'll be saving, you know, even more and more of your income. You'll be better and better off. Um, also, similar, they said optimize your 401k each year, and that's pretty good. You know, 401k. Any retirement-specific account with kind of rules about it, you're not going to be taking money out of it for decades, probably. 
is you don't you don't need to you don't need to look at any accounts every day. Um, if you work with an advisor, that's their job. Um, you just do a review with them whenever they think is good or whenever you think is good. Um, but a four hundred one k or something, reviewing it every year is really about all you need. Uh, look at what you're invested in. Make sure that's still appropriate for you, um, because y- y- the only times you need to make changes, you're only going to make changes you know, as you get closer to retirement. Uh, you want to get a little more conservative. You're, you're going to have to start depending on that for income, and. If you have major life changes, you know, say you buy a house, you get married, you have a child, your retirement account is actually going to be less affected by those. Those major life changes, I mean, those are things, you know, I work with clients who, if they have a major life change, we do big changes to their financial plan. We do big changes to their investment plan. Uh, fortunately, a lot of those we can anticipate. Uh, you know, you got nine months to anticipate a kid coming along. So uh, sometimes you have three days to anticipate a new house coming along. Um so those are things where your financial plan is going to change. With a retirement account, doesn't change so often. Have a look at it. Make sure you have a general idea how much money you have in there, how you're invested. And uh, let's see, they say make sure it's diversified and rebalanced. And that's just pretty good advice there. Uh, talk about savings goals. So, right, you know, again, regularly reviewing your savings goals. You know, say, do you have, you know, make sure you got enough money in your emergency savings account. Uh, is your retirement kind of on track? Is that money and the rate you're adding it, are you going to be at the point you want to be at? And so, yes, reviewing those is all part and parcel of the game. And 44, people always ask this one. So, this is super, I'm really glad this is on the list. It says, ensure that your retirement needs are taken care of prior to providing for your children's futures. Um, And then they go ahead and put in a sassy. What good is saving for the kids' education if you'll be eating cat food in your golden years? Uh, For starters, cat food is expensive. Don't eat cat food. Uh, Also, it's a little bit too salty for human consumption. So you probably want to just focus on rice and beans. Um, But this is good. You know, people always, you know, how to prioritize these big financial things because your retirement is the biggest financial thing you're going to have. Buying a home, that's a huge thing. It's committing to years of payments, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your child's education, that's huge and ambiguous if they decide to get a PhD in art history. These are these are big things, and how do you prioritize what's what? You know, how do you know? Okay, I need to cut back in this area to take care of this area, or how do you know when? No, I can keep these the same. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Always, uh, first thing I say is emergency fund. Start building that up. Um, but at the same time, if you're working, if you have a job retirement. Again, that's going to be your biggest thing. Um, uh, Americans are more and more and more responsible for their own retirement. And, and even if you don't want to think about retirement, you know, hey, uh, you know, you're young, you know, retirement's a long way off. Social Security is not going to be there for me anyway. That was slightly sarcastic. Don't take that to the bank. Um, then y- you want to look at you still want to look at saving for some sort of financial independence. Some point, you are going to be responsible for most of your money. Your employer isn't going to be providing most of your money. Either you're going to work less in the future, you're going to quit at some point. And so saving for that sort of financial independence is is super important. And that's your biggest thing. Um, 
with college education, uh, for people who can easily afford to go ahead and start saving for children's college education, absolutely, go ahead and do it. Like, it's not going to hurt. Go ahead and do some stuff. Um, but it, and, and college, and it's important, too, because college is expensive, and uh, the cost of college has risen so much over time. So that it's going to be a big thing. But there's a lot of ways to cover it. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to pay for that whole thing in cash. Exactly. And we know that your kids, or most kids, I think, would probably want their parents to be well off uh, in retirements and not... Okay, we need to take a final break. When we get back, we will wrap things up. Uh, talk today about 50 personal finance habits that everyone should follow. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking today about uh, 50 personal finance habits everyone should follow. This according to a list from time.com. Still got some time for you to work in a phone call if you have one, either a suggestion for the list or a personal finance question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show money at MPB on Online.org. And we would appreciate your calls. I did spend the whole last segment just carrying on about <laughs> retirement savings, so you're probably probably pretty tired of that. All right, here's one that caught my eye. It's uh, having an exit strategy when investing. Without one, it's tough to recognize the right time to cut your losses or take profits off the table. So what what is what is the idea of an exit strategy? Yeah, so I, I don't really talk about it in terms of an exit strategy. It's more just having a comprehensive plan, and your comprehensive financial plan is going to include your investments, especially if you have, you know, kind of significant uh, investments. Um, so there's a couple things, you know, one we kind of referenced a little bit ago, you always want to make sure the investments are appropriate for you. If you are retired and depending on all of, depending on your investments for income, you don't want to be super aggressively invested. You want to be uh, invested uh, different ages, different, different financial goals. Uh, you're going to have uh, different strategies there. You know, if you're very young and you're not going to need the money forever, you don't want to just be sitting around in bonds. You, you have the flexibility to be a very aggressive investor uh, because you're starting out with the least amount of money you'll ever have. You'll keep adding to that, and that's what's going to grow your account. Um, so we, we always look at, I guess this is particularly looking at reaching your goals. Um, if your account it, you know, for some reason becomes so low, either you've withdrawn from it or the market's done poorly, 
is getting low enough to make maybe your goals they don't look attainable and everyone's always like oh how do i figure that out well it's it's complicated and speak with whoever you're working with on investments about that uh but that's something we do for clients every day is look okay here are your goals um here's what your account is now here's what you're either adding or taking out of the account and all of that goes into you know is that goal reachable? And um, at, at, at any point where that the answer to that question might change, we need to have a really serious look at both how you're invested and and what you're doing with the account. You know, are you spending too much? Are you saving too little? That sort of thing. We've got a caller on the line, so we will say good morning to Pat, who's called in from Tennessee. Good morning, Pat. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a little question that I've been trying to get an answer for. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who has been going to a big box store, like one like Lowe's or Home Depot, and whenever she goes there, she asks for a discount on everything she buys. What is that? They were giving it to her. They would give her whatever it was. They would give her a certain percentage off. Was that something that the stores do without any thought about I mean, any concern, or is it just something they were doing for her? I'm just trying to understand what is that <laughs> whole... Uh, that's that's called a uh, power of persuasion. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a lot of big box stores they will offer various discounts. Um, you know, some will offer maybe contractor discounts or military discounts or some sort of discount. So there is some flexibility there. And and I know we said earlier, you know, just going to the grocery store, or just shopping in a regular store, they have a price and you're expected to pay that. We don't have right. a culture of negotiation, but there is always some flexibility and. It, it just depends. Most of the time in a big box store like that, it'll be, you know, the manager will have the flexibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know specifically what she's doing uh, or if she has a specific discount she knows to ask, you know, if she's, you know, a military veteran, they may very well have a set discount for her. Um, some people no, do I, se- senior citizens. I, disc- what's that? I don't want, I know, I know you don't have much time, but no, she, whatever she bought, she has no special discount. <laughs> she, the, the, it was a matter of persuasion. I'll be, and she yeah. wanted me to do it and I told her I couldn't do that because I don't think that's right. I mean if somebody <laughs> did that, they didn't make any money. So Oh I no, they just they just raised the prices. Um thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, someone like that is always interesting to follow along and just see how they do it, and um, oh, you know, okay. you know, just see what she says. You know, it might be as simple as, "Oh, hey, you know, I spoke to manager so and so last time, and you know, he's been really good to me, and I, I just think that this is what I can afford, and this is what I need." Uh, you know, see what happens. Like, you know, some people are uncomfortable putting themselves out like that, and again, that's that's how stores oh, okay. can afford she to offer discounts to people. She, she has no problems with it, but I have problems with that. Yep. Well, okay, yeah, that's that's a personal barrier. Like I said, it's it's not really culturally what we do uh, a whole lot Thank here you. in America. Thank All right, you. absolutely, Thank you. Pat. Good call. Okay. Uh, thanks so much. I remember uh, years ago on the <laughs> radio show This American Life, there was someone who basically did that. He everywhere he went, he asked for a discount. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we talk, we hear about the secret menu at, at restaurants and that sort of thing. And I think, and sometimes maybe there are situations where, as you say, you usually a supervisor, somebody has a little leeway in mm-hmm. giving a discount or whatever. And again, you're right. It's kind of some people, I think I'm sort of in Pat's camp where I feel a bit uncomfortable asking for something that might not necessarily be there. But the other side of that equation is what harm does it do to ask? Mm-hmm. And if you get the reward, you get the money off. If not, you might get an odd look from the salesperson mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, that a whole idea of, of negotiating. But you say it's not really yeah. set up in our culture. And, and, and I want to point out, uh, 
just I just thought this while you were talking. Uh, one place where it's very easy to get a discount, get something knocked off your bill, is at, at a restaurant. Um, you know, one if you're you know kind of really legitimately unhappy with something that you got, or there's you know something was cooked wrong, or there, you found a hair in your food. Um, you know, restaurants are pretty often pretty willing to knock something off the bill for you. Um, but if someone does. Uh, do something like that for you. Someone does comp you something, then make sure you still show that they're appreciated. Um, so if somebody knocks ten dollars off of your off of your restaurant bill, tip them an extra two or three bucks. Still, you know they've still done the same amount of work for you, and they did even more work for you. They did the same that they did for everyone else, and save you ten bucks. So uh, make sure you show that they're appreciated, and that's another way, you know, to 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 uh, kind of earn discounts like that. If you're a regular at a at a restaurant and, you know, the, the wait staff knows that you treat them well, uh, then they're going to be more willing to kind of do a favor, you know, give you a, a free drink, you know, leave something off your bill, things like that. Also, I would say if ever you're in a situation where you go out to eat and one of your party is not happy, uh, this has happened to me where my my lunch was perfectly fine. The person I was eating with had an issue uh, and the manager came by and comp everybody. Uh, hey, I want to go out with them. Well, <laughs> but I would also say my, my point there is if that happens, please play the, that yeah. pl- place up because uh, that to me is about the only thing yeah. specifically in food service a, a manager can do. And so if they're willing to do that, I, I think that they, they deserve all the credit in the world and you should Absolutely. tell folks that that's, that's a good place to go. Yeah. Um, here is another one on the list. Remembering to comparison shop whenever possible. Mm-hmm. We talked about a lot about uh, online shopping, and I will say uh, that is something that you can really do quite easily online uh, mm-hmm. is to do the comparison shopping. And that's another way that kind of negotiation comes into play. A lot of places will do price matching and you say, hey, you know, I saw this was X number of dollars elsewhere. You know, can you match that price or even even just bring it down some. Uh, Some places do that, but absolutely comparison shop, especially, you know, for something that's going to be uniform everywhere. You know, if you are looking for a specific brand and specific product, uh, there's there's no reason that you would want to buy it from one store versus the other, you know, if one of them was obviously cheaper. And I think uh, some sites even allow you to, you know, uh, comparison shop with different uh, product lines or something. Mm-hmm. And that's always uh, easy to do to be yeah. able to pull them all up and you can get an exact uh, comparison on there. So mm-hmm. uh, we have got about a minute left. Was there any other one on the list that uh, kind of caught your eye real briefly here? Uh, yeah. So 27 was leveraging good debt to purchase things that have the possibility of increasing in value or providing a path to higher income in the future. So this brings to mind, you know, people are always like, oh, avoid debt. Don't pay interest. Um, look, you're not going to buy a house without a mortgage. Some people will, but you know, that's something you need. It's going to save you a lot of money in the long run. It potentially save you money in the long run if that's a good uh, if, if you're going to be there, you're going to l- live and love in that house. Um, and uh, c- college education, uh, student loans, even though they're intimidating, I saw that there's $1.4 trillion worth of student loans out there. That's a ton of money that people have to pay back, but they do have some good repayment terms. Um, if, if that education is truly going to make you a more valuable person, is going to improve your life, it is going to bring you more money in the future, then it is absolutely worth taking on debt for. Just um, just be careful that you're not taking too much. Be careful you've got good terms and that it's a good degree. 
Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks that's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.